Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, we have some news and rumors and stuff to talk about today, as long as, as well as the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, continuing. Um, as we're recording, it is Wednesday evening. I'm hoping to get this out tomorrow at the very latest. Um, so, Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals still be going. We were really hoping that Tampa could have wrapped it up last night. I feel pretty confident in saying Tampa's going to win, but, I mean, it's hockey. You never really know. So, uh, we'll refrain too, too much from talking about, you know, doing any kind of cup preview or whatever. But we'll talk about the Western Conference and what we've seen from the East. But uh, we have a bunch of Minnesota Wild news, which isn't exactly the most thrilling way to lead off a podcast. But... <laughs> Uh, there is a lot of for that. They've given given us a lot of content to talk about this week, and we'll start with one a trade that broke literally 20 minutes before we started recording. Uh, the Minnesota Wild have traded Eric Stahl to the Buffalo Sabers for Marcus Johansson. Uh, this is a confusing trade, I think. In general, it's one for one. There's no salary or anything retained either way, so they both have one year left on their deal. Um, Stahl makes three million, three and a half million, three two five. So three point two five, and Johansson makes I believe four and a half million dollars for the year. Um, I don't know how he got that contract. He got a three year, four and a half after the Boston Cup run. Um, oh. I think, or two years. It must have been two years, four two, and a half. But yeah, that makes. But it was after sense. the Boston Cup run. Um, and you know, I thought it was an okay deal at the time for a team that didn't really need to use the cap space immediately, but. Uh, he had a horrible year last year in Buffalo. Uh, overall, I think he's an all right player. I don't really understand this trade from Minnesota's perspective, though. This reminds me, actually, of the Jeff Skinner trade, where the Buffalo Sabres just grossly won a trade, and yet I don't understand why they did it either. Yeah, like, I feel like if you're Buffalo, you kind of... Like, I know... Like, like in, for Minnesota, I can't even begin to justify No, I don't understand. Like, for Buffalo, so if you, it's funny when you go to their cap page, if you look at the cap friendly... Here's the forwards they have under contract for this year. Jack Eichel, $10 million. Jeff Skinner, $9 million. Ocposo, $6 million. Now Stahl, $3.25 million. Everyone else is an RFA or UFA. Which is insane. So they need to re-sign 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12 forwards this year or let them walk. The funny, the worst part about this is you could let every single UFA they have walk. Wayne Simmons, Vladimir Sobotka, Jimmy Vesey, Zemgis Gurgensen, uh, Johan Larson, and Michael Froelich. I don't think there's any of those guys you absolutely need to resign. You could resign like for a leak or something. Yeah. Larson, I'd probably fight to keep if he's cheap, but other than that, I would gladly let most of them walk. There are a face: Curtis Lazar, Dominic Cahoon, Tage Thompson, Sam Reinhardt, Victor Olofsson. There's two names I feel passionate about on there, and then Dominic Cahoon is a name that you may as well keep because why not? He's a fine player. Same with like Tage Thompson, but like Sam Reinhardt is the only super noteworthy guy, and then Victor Olofsson had a good rookie year, so yeah, of course you're gonna lock him up to some kind of two- to three-year deal. Yeah. For the Sabres, like, I feel like they're just, like, I know it's sad when you look at this roster and you say they should probably continue to try and tank and rebuild because on the blue line you have Yokoharu and Deline, and then outside of that, like, you have a couple other pieces, but they're 25 to 29 years old, so it's not like they're going to be doing much. And then up front you have literally Jack Eichel and uh, Sam Reinhardt at 23 and 24, the the organization won't want to keep rebuilding after they've been rebuilding for a half a decade already now, or six years or whatever it is. So I feel like this is a move where they feel Eric Stahl's probably better now, and they're trying to just get better for this upcoming year, and they need center depth. Like, Reinhardt mostly plays the wing. 
their Casey Middlestead was supposed to be their 2C, and that failed miserably. So I guess you plug in Eric Stahl and hope he can be a stopgap at 2 or 3C? Like I imagine Eric Stahl plays 2C with Sam Reinhardt to protect Middlestead. But, like, so this trade would be genius if, like... I don't know, the Pittsburgh Penguins traded Marcus Foligno for Eric Stahl. Be like, wow, this is a really good deal. But, like, the Sabres are still so bad, I don't really understand what the point of getting 36-year-old Eric Stahl for a year does. Unless they're flipping him at the deadline. Yeah, but, like, I also don't... It's not like Marcus Johansson sitting there at 29 years old or whatever is doing you much good if he just walks in the offseason anyways. That's true. Yeah, Johansson really wasn't doing anything for them either. Like, it just depends who you think is the better player, I guess. I think it's stalled by like a really wide margin, barring him falling off a cliff. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, there's definitely an age risk there. Like, I, I, I don't get it from Minnesota's because even if you think, oh, well, four or six years younger or whatever for Johansson... And, like, I don't hate Johansson as a player. He's really struggled with injuries, and he had a really horrible year this past year. But he has shown that he can be a legit middle six winger. He's probably an average-ish Yeah, like, he's winger. a two-slash-three, second-slash-third line kind of guy. But it's like, what's the biggest thing that Minnesota needs? It's centermen. So, like, unless you're just trusting that, like, Donato's going to go to center and Erickson Eck is going to take a huge step forward and you're playing, like, you get, and you know Koivu's going to come back, which didn't sound like it was going to happen either. No, the it, last I had heard of Koivu, he was thinking of retiring or going somewhere that wasn't Minnesota. So then, like, who are your centermen here? Victor Rask, maybe Nick Bukestad, which is a trade that we'll get to in a second. Erickson Eck, and Nico Strum, like, yeah, or Sturm, know. like, Galchenyuk, I get Like, that's a horrible, like, what do you do? Like, like, they're already so mediocre. It's like they looked and said, we don't underperform our expected goals enough. Yeah. And, like, I get that um, their new GM, Bill Guerin's come in, he kind of made a mention that they, they probably are going to look to rebuild or retool here. But, like, retooling isn't picking up Marcus Johansson, 29-year-old injury-riddled Marcus Johansson. Retooling would be trading Eric Stahl for, like, a second-round pick. A second-round pick, yeah, or a third-round pick or whatever. Like, or a prospect or something. Like, I just... I. I don't understand the play here. My first thought was going to be cash considerations, like maybe Eric Stahl was backloaded or something and had five million due, and Johansson had like whatever one million left on his contract or something like that. But that's not even it. No. He makes more. He makes more against the cap, and he makes more actual cash throughout the season too. Yeah, I just I I don't get it. And like the the problem with this team is I don't think they're bad enough to truly tank. They're going to be the twentieth best team in the league again this year. Yeah, they're, they're set to come in a wild card on a good year and a 20th Fifth, place on yeah. a like there's just There's not too many scenarios unless goaltending completely falls out from underneath them to the point where even their insane defensive metrics can't hold them, that they absolutely bottom out. And they just re-signed Jonas Brodin, uh, so we'll get into that contract as well. He'll be 28 when it kicks in, uh, seven years at $6 million. I think it's fair to say he's worth more than $6 million this year. I would happy, happily have him on my team for $6 million on a one-year deal. Yes, but it depends how much longer you think he's going to be worth $6 million. And I get he doesn't play a game that falls off a cliff, um, but again, it's one of those deals where we're just talking about how they're not going anywhere right now. Like, if the Pittsburgh Penguins signed this deal, I'd have no problem with it. If even the Toronto Maple Leafs signed this deal, I don't think I would have much of an issue with it. Because at least you could justify it by saying yeah. he's the defensive god that they need. Yeah, it's one. like if you're hoping if you get his 28 to 32 seasons are still really good, or like even by 32 or 33 he's not quite a defensive god, but it's like he's still very strong defensively. Yeah, I think you can justify it. For the Minnesota Wild, again, what is this doing for you? 
Because, like, if they have to rebuild in two years or whatever, okay, you're rebuilding, and then by the time you're coming out of it, you still have a year or two left on your $6 million price tag for a 35-year-old defenseman. This screams, ah, this contract will be someone else's problem when I get fired. <laughs> Literally, it's the same with, like, Jared Spurgeon, too, right? Like, they locked him down for, was it, eight years at 30 years old? So it's like, yeah. you've got two guys you're signing, and then also suitor. So you have a bunch of guys signed through their mid to late 30s for a combined... $20 million almost. like Yeah, it's ridiculous. And now there's rumors that Matt Dumba, they've talked about trading Matt Dumba as well. Like, I you, I think you could win a Matt Dumba trade at least. Sure, I just don't see where the team's outlook is here. No, I have no idea what they're trying to do. The um, PFF NFL show was talking about like the lowest variance teams going into the season. They're like, who do you think has yep. the tiniest range of outcomes? And if we were doing that for the NHL next season, I think the Minnesota Wild might have the tiniest range of outcomes. But the problem is, it's exactly where you don't want to be. Yeah, it's like it's them and then like Tampa Bay. Because they're good. Yeah, I just yeah. say it's like the, the elite teams up top, like Colorado, I can, but even Colorado's, but like, yeah, there's a couple elite teams up top and then probably a couple that are just absolutely horrible. And you, like Detroit, you know, is going to suck. Yeah. But Minnesota is somehow in the worst spot of all three of those because they're not elite. They're not getting a first round, first overall pick, and they're just kind of in the middle. They might not even make the playoffs. Yeah, they're like 17th in the league, plus or minus like three spots kind of thing. Yeah, and it's just like, like I just don't know what the outlook is here. Like, you trade a 7th for Bukestad, sure, that, like, I think that's a fine value play. Like, you, like if you're if you were you were selling me on we're rebuilding this year, so we're trading away anyone who's 28 plus that has some value, but we picked up Bukestad for a 7th, and at the deadline, we're hoping we can plug him into a top six role, and at the deadline, we can retain half his salary and flip him for a third or whatever. Because Pittsburgh already retained half. So, like, Bugstad making $2 million for a seventh is a good trade. Yeah. And, Don't get what it does for them, but it is a good trade. Yeah, no, like, Pittsburgh needs to, the salary space, like, the cap space, obviously. Um, and Rutherford just kind of said that he was going to change everything up this year, right? So, um, but yeah, so, like, that I thought was a fine move, but it's just, like, Again, I think they probably acquired him thinking they're going to try and compete or something this year, not flip him at, like, who knows? But I just don't get it. I don't understand where this team thinks their outlook is going. Yeah, like, I think you acquire Bugstad for the same reason Boston acquired Johansson back when they did it. It's like, oh, he can play in our middle six or whatever and just be, like, an average-ish forward to bolster our depth. Yeah, the difference was Boston was a team primed to go on a Stanley Cup run (laughs) and went all the way to the Stanley Cup finals. Minnesota's primed to make a... Charge for the wild card and get put out in five games in the first round. Yeah, the seventh place Minnesota Wild look just ready to get dummied by the Abs in the first round. Or yeah, something like, like I that. just uh, that's why I don't I cannot justify this like what they've done this week. I just I don't understand from any spot. Like at least Buffalo, it's like I can kind of see. I don't agree with what they're doing, but I can see at least that they probably realize in their market this year too that they need to start being not a complete embarrassment. And I think Eric Stahl at least ups the ability for them to do that. Not by much, but like enough where it's like, I would rather probably take my risk on Eric Stahl than I would, especially when you need centermen versus Johansson. What scares me with the Stahl trade is say you gained like 1.5 or whatever, those three standing points, watch, will like push them out of a lottery spot that ends up being huge. Yeah. That's what would worry me about the Stahl trade. Although if your goal is to not be a complete embarrassment, I think Eric Stahl helps them do that. And I think they can... I'm starting to come around on it for Buffalo, even though they obviously got the better player, because I think you can flip them at the deadline for a lot. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's fine. I think it's a fine enough trade for Buffalo. Like, I, they won the trade. I just think it's 
weird as hell, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, like, I, I don't agree. Like, if I was the GM, but, I mean, obviously that's why, like, I'm sure the GM is under pressure to actually compete there for once. And, like, it's easy enough for us to sit back and say, why would you do this? You should be rebuilt or tanking for another year because you don't have anywhere near enough talent. But if ownership's saying, no, we're not freaking tanking for another year, go do something that makes us look better... Like, this is the kind of stuff you have to do, unfortunately, right? Like, I just... You're not picking four top six players out of nowhere or just fleecing a team for nothing, right? Like... Yeah, that's fair. But, um... Other than that, for the Minnesota news, I don't think... We got the Bukestead trade. We got the uh, the stall trade now. And the signing... Yeah, I thought the Rodine signing was all right. Uh, like, in terms of value now, I just... I, that's a long contract for a guy that doesn't really fit your window. It's one of those ones, too, that looks way worse because it's an extension, not a signing. Yeah. Like, if it kicked in this year, it would be better. Yeah, I mean, even... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just... I. Yeah, it starts next season. So it starts when he's, what, 28 or 29? 29, I believe. Let's, let me check. Or it'll be 28 because he's already 27. Yeah, but it... Uh, He's got the July birthday, so... Oh, okay, yeah, but so, yeah, so the season will start... Uh, yeah, so he'll be 28, I guess. Um, depending when the season starts, he'll be like 28 and a half. So it'll be 28 slash 29 year, because he still has a full year to play at the $4 million mark. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a year out, so... I don't know, I just... I, I don't really get what the direction of this team is. It's worrisome, because their decor's average age is 30, and almost certainly going to be more expensive one year from now. Yeah, I mean, it almost has to be. Like, unless you have some ELC I don't know about, but I don't think they do. Because, you know, Spurgeon's going to be making the same amount of money. Sutter's going to be making the same amount of money. Dumba's obviously, unless they trade Dumba, I guess. But yeah. um, Brodeen's going to be making $2 million more. I don't know what they're doing for the back two to three spots. Like, you have Greg Patter and Brad Hunt and Carson Soucy that you can re-sign. But do they re-sign any of those guys? I don't know. They have Kalen Addison as a defensive prospect. Yeah, maybe he comes up and plugs on those spots. Fetter Gordiev. I don't think he'll yeah, do Fetter Gordiev. Yeah, I don't think he'll do anything. Was this but. one of Dubis's like seventh round pick trades that he loves? Probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Kalen Addison, I think you hope probably steps into an NHL role sometime in the next year or two. But yeah, he actually has potential. But like again, like I just I don't see where the uh, like where the upside is here. No, I I don't. Get it at all. Like, they got better on net because of Bugstad, I guess. But, like, the Stalter, I, I, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, like, I, I just, as we said, like, already, like, they're just, them getting better just puts them maybe half a point more into the seventh wild, or the second wild card spot yeah. than it did before. Like, I just, I don't understand. I don't get it at all. So, um, let's move to another trade, another week of Montreal Canadiens trade. Uh, they pick up Joel Edmondson from the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for a fifth-round pick. Great move by Carolina. Uh, you weren't re-signing Edmondson any, anyways. Like they're they're loaded on defense, and Edmondson's not that good, uh, to put it politely. How did you get a pick for Joel Edmondson's rights? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like where was the in a flat cap where everybody's pinched for cap space? Where was this bidding war for Joel Edmondson coming from? Well, and the worst is you see the reports of what they might be offering him. They're trying to get him like $4 million. $4 million they? for five years. Or like four to five years. That would be hilarious. That would be that would turn into a Carl Alsner contract. Real worse than fast. the Carl Alsner contract, I think, immediately. As a fan of another team in the division, I love that yes. idea. Yes, and now, granted, I don't know if that's the most reliable source that it came from. Like, nothing's come out yet about it. But, like, anything over 
one year at one and a half million dollars feels like an overpayment. Yeah, and, like if if you want to convince me you overpay them to keep the term to one year, like that's fine because they have some space next year. But like, like two by two, like yeah, but anything that goes like they have Dano, Tatar, and Gallagher all up next year. So any and Kotkaniemi after what? next year. So anything that goes farther than one year is really bad for them. Not just that, he's a shit player. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah, he's not good. If you got a good guy or who's someone who at least looked good in third pairing minutes, sure, but like like his past three years on uh for his RAPM like have been all slightly below negative and last year he was garbage. Oh he was like actively terrible last season. Yeah, like you're better just Plugging in an HL defenseman and letting him play. Which, like, I don't get why you're signing a guy who's, like, actively bad in his age 27 season with a flat cap and committing years and term to him. And you know what they absolutely don't freaking need on this team is another 28-year-old defenseman who's going to play third-pair minutes for them. Specifically, they don't need another third-pair left-handed defenseman. Because, like, they have Jeff Petrie, they have Shea Weber. There's your top two right-handed defensemen. But then on the left, you have Brett Kulak, Ben uh, Chariot, Alexander Romanov... Now Joel Edmondson, Mete can play both sides, Xavier Ouellette. So there's five guys on your left, four of them who aren't good. Victor Mete, I don't mind. For some reason, they want to move on from. They might move on from him. I've heard too. Like, which that would probably be a mistake. I think so. Like, I mean, maybe you could win a trade, but like, I would be willing. If I'm Ottawa, I'm willing to take a look at Victor Mete because he has top, like, second pair potential. I think he is a second pair defenseman. Yeah, I think he's shot like, on him, especially since with five left-handed D, you can probably get him cheaper than usual because. But it's like, where on earth is it's Joel like, Emmonson fitting into this roster? It's because, like they thought, what if we could get an older and worse Brett Kulak? Yeah, because for and a they draft pick they too. like Ben Chariot as well. Like they and he was he had a fine year. Like he looked like so. The, the biggest like justification I've seen from um, Habs fans is Chariot and Emmonson numbers looked pretty similar when the Habs acquired them. Difference is Ben Chariot was the exception to the rule this year in terms of. How good he was. Yeah, that's not a good idea. You don't go around trading for players who look like William Carlson just because it happened once. Yeah, exactly. That's a very, very big mistake. Like, like if you go to his numbers, he was legitimately like above average this year. But when you look at his three-year rolling average, he's below average in just about everything. Yeah. Which, like, good for him that he was good this year. But you don't, you don't bet on bad players getting good because one bad player got good. Well. Yeah. Well, and it's just like, especially like, I just where's the fit? Because you have. So we, let's say Chariot's your number one playing with Weber, right? Which is kind of ugly, but yeah. Sure, but that's what it is. He put he, that's what he did this year, and he had fine numbers with it. Yeah. One of Romanov or Kulak, like uh, by the end of the year, they're probably hoping Romanov's your second pair defenseman with Petrie. Probably starts on the third pair. Kulak starts on the second, but you flip him by the end of the year. Great. So there you go. Then you have Xavier Ouellette, who would sign for probably nothing, and like Christian Folin, who would sign for nothing as your seventh defenseman. Because then you play Petrie, Weber, Mete on the right side. And so you have six defensemen there. Plus yeah. another two. Like, are you signing Joel Edmondson for even two and a half, three million to be your seventh or eighth defenseman? Because just call Carl Olsner up. Like, I know he's bad, but is he that much worse than Joel Edmondson? I think you're going to have a hard time convincing me. Yeah, this is bad on every front. And, because, like, they gave up a pick to sign this early. Yeah, I just, I, I don't. Like, what are you doing? I can at least. See some logic in the Jake Allen stuff. This I don't get, even a little bit. Yeah, people are starting to turn around and be like, wait, is Mark Bergevin actually a trade wizard? 
<laughs> like <laughs> this does not scream that at all. No, nothing about this screams. I know what I'm doing. Oh, and so like uh, uh, rumors is a big part of our talking points this week, just because there's so many of them flying around. Like this is like free Tis agency on steroids. Yeah, because there's such a little time. But they're now talking about possibly trading Philip Deneau. Instead of like Max Domi or someone like that, that would be hilarious. Yeah, so it's just like like I don't hate the Habs team. They're kind of like uh, Minnesota in that they're a team where I think they don't have a ton of variance. Where it's like, yeah, they'll probably be ninth in the East. Yeah, kind of their roster's so good where it's like, or so average where it's like, but at least they have rookies, I guess. But it's like I think at best they're the sixth best team in the East, and at worst they're like. The 11th best team in the East. Because there's still a Julian team that's going to get like a 52% XG. Yeah, like if like Price, the bottom completely falls out there, maybe you could argue that, you know, they'll be a little worse. But generally speaking, I'm like, to me, they don't have a ton of variance on where they're going. So it's just like, but it's like if you want to be a team where it's, and they clearly show that they kind of want to be a team where it's like, we can either get the third Atlantic spot, hopefully, like if one of the top three struggle, or we can get a wildcard spot. And then from there, we just, like, they have a team where, they play, quote unquote, playoff hockey. You know, you saw what happened in the playoffs this year in a three to five against Pittsburgh, where you just try and get hot and run for a, a year or two. If that's what you want to be, because your owner wants playoff revenue or whatever, fine. Like I get again, that's an ownership thing. Trading Philip Deneau does not help you with that. No, what's like I would rather sign Philip Deneau to like seven million dollars, which is a four million upgrade on what he's got now, which I think would be way over his market price than. Trade him and then let and then sign Joel Edmonds into a four million dollar deal. Okay, so here one way four year contract three point five AAV for Edmondson. Breaking news: four year contract. Four years at three and a half. That's fun timing. Yeah, like I'd rather just give that money to Deneau, who yeah. is almost certainly going to demand less than that of an upgrade on three million. Like. Because the best thing, the thing Deneau's best at is defense. Yeah, and that doesn't like, get you paid on the open market. I, I just don't. You're not winning a Deneau trade if you trade. I'm, I'm sorry. Like I, I have a very hard time believing you're gonna win. It's that. like the baby Ryan O'Reilly trade, probably. Yeah, like I just the same kind of player. Man, that is like that's brutal. I can't believe they just signed him four years at three and a half million. Like, I, where's the fit here? Where's the fit? Yeah, and like I said, like anything that goes since they have such a big off season in 2021, 2022, anything that goes past one year is miserable for them. Yeah, I mean, like they have a ton of cap space. Sure, like they're gonna have 40 million in cap space. Uh, or sorry, yeah, they. So right now, I mean, even with the Edmonton contract, they'll have 38 million, 38 and a half million dollars in cap space come for that off season. But Thomas Tatar, Brendan Gallagher, Brendan Gallagher is gonna need a raise. I would assume Tatar's probably gonna ask for one as well. Um, Deneau's going to need some kind of a raise. You know, Joel Armia, Artari Lekkonen probably will need a bit of a raise. Kotkaniemi's going to nick. Kotkaniemi's probably going to get a big-ish raise. Four to five mil. Like, from yeah. a rookie contract, it'll be enough. Like, um, Well, that's one of those things where... Jeff Petrie's going to ask for a raise, I would assume. True. Because either Kotkaniemi gets a big raise or they're screwed anyways because it means their best prospect busted. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> like yeah, and so... He, like even Ryan Poling is going to need a new contract next year, which will probably be more than one million dollars. Yep. And like they're expecting him to come in and make an immediate impact. Like I just, I don't know, dude. I I I, I don't know. This was an impressively dumb decision. This is going to look worse than the Carl Olsner did one quicker than like this looks bad already. Yeah. And they didn't even have to give up a pick. 
No, the car they just signed him thing. in free agency, and it took forty-five games or whatever, a year and uh, like two games to figure out. Wow, this was a huge mistake. This also screamed, I have what, way too many draft picks. Yes, yeah. I mean, like, we talked about it, I think, in last week's episode, which, like, you look at their cap-friendly page, three seconds this year, three-fourths this year, three-fifths next year, three-fourths next year, two-thirds next year. Um, they had two-sevenths this year. They had a seventh next year. They had two-fifths this year. So they're just kind of throwing around stuff to yeah. get crappy outside players. So you can go to ownership and go, look, I tried. Yeah, like, I just... Uh, Man, I can't excuse that at all. I don't... I, this is another thing where it's like, where's the line of thinking here? Like, what are you trying to do? Who are you trying to be? Yeah, I have no idea what the possible justification for this is. No, I... Uh, where is Joel Edmondson even close to a guy you lock up for four years at three and a half mil? Because even if Edmondson was like a number 5D, this would still be stupid. But he's like well below replacement level. Yes, and at 27 years old, he's probably not getting better. No. Well, 27's prime age for defensemen. It's just starting, so I have been told. Yeah. I, this is I. The best of Joel Edmondson is yet to come. Yeah, really. Um, let's move on to some other news, I guess. Uh, I don't know if there's any other big signings. Oh, the, the Coyotes. Sean Walker one. Yeah, Sean Walker. That was um, an interesting deal. I kind of looked at it and go, four years for him seems like a lot. but He's not a bad player, though. 25-year-old right-handed defenseman. Uh $2.65 million cap hit for four years. I don't... Uh, fine, I guess. Like, they're going to be rebuilding probably for two of the years during that deal. I'm, like, mildly surprised he managed to get this, but I also believe he's worth it, so that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I kind of looked at it and was just like, geez, that is not a name I expected to get four years. No. But, but I mean... not a bad player. That's no. fine. Yeah, 25-year-old like, right-handed D that can play on, like, the second pair, don't grow on trees. So it's a very good contract for LA. Yeah, I mean, by the end of it, if you're still not at the point you want to be in terms of competing window, you can probably trade him for picks, I would assume, at 29 years old. So, yep. um, yeah, that was fine. Uh, Aiden Hill re-signed for one year, one way in Arizona, which probably means that one of Kemper or Ranta is out, and they've talked actively about trading both of them. Um, they talked actively about trading everyone, so I guess now is the time to get into the Arizona Coyotes. What a fun team. Yeah. Um, so rumors are now coming out that they have... Uh, so they, they actually just hired today. Uh, it was confirmed that they are hiring uh, the Blues assistant general manager, who I am trying to pick up a name for... Bill Armstrong. Bill Armstrong. That's, that's what it is. Um, from all accounts in St. Louis, he was a big help of building the cup-winning core that is in St. Louis now, so... Seems fine enough, but uh, it's always tough to evaluate assistance, though, because look at looking at like Botterill when he oh, goes yeah, to or Buffalo. Like, like, uh, who is the wild one who kept? Uh, oh, Paul Fenton. Paul Fenton. He was like the name the on everyone's list for like four years. Finally, took a job and was one of the most craziest people I think we've ever seen. Like, yeah, like the art, the hit, essentially hit piece on him on his way out the door is like the most aggressive article to come out about somebody since that famous Pierre Maguire one, like yeah. twenty odd some odd years ago. So, um, but yeah, like it is hard to tell, but like, I don't know. I'm Probably sure. Not the worst decision you can make. I'd like, pencil him in for average. Like, it's better than hiring Pierre Maguire, who they apparently interviewed. So God, that would have been fun. Yeah. Um, he comes into a situation that sucks. No first, second, or third this year. No first next year. No third next year. Possibly not a second next year. Or sorry, no. Um, they have the second, but if they re-sign Taylor Hall, they don't, and then they get their third back next year. Oh, and no cap space. No cap space. A bad team. 
like another team with just like such little variance because of how good the goaltending is, where it's like you know they're going to be four points back of a playoff berth. And even still, they're so they were so mediocre with great goaltending that they're like tail outcomes all go in the wrong direction where their tail is they're a miserable team because they might not get that goaltending whereas they have no upside because they were even trash with goaltending yeah and they have no picks if they are a miserable team yeah um yeah and they're skewed in the wrong direction to make things better so there's been a lot of rumors that like some like a lot of ownership not even just like pittsburgh is rumored to get one and um salaries down like 75 mil this year arizona's reportedly salaries to 70 million or lower now, that's not cap hit, that's just salaries. So you'd have to go through and look at their base salaries of what they're actually paying yeah. everyone. And like the HOSA thing will inflate their actual cap hit. Yes, exactly. Stuff like that. Um, so estimated salary expenditure right now for them is $61 million for this upcoming year. But that doesn't include Taylor Hall, that doesn't include Carl Soderberg, Vinny Hinestroza, Brad Richardson, Christian Fisher. Yeah, um, like they still have to ice a team. Yeah, so they have to sign a couple guys. So like, I don't see how they re-sign Taylor Hall if that's what their hope is because... If your salary, if you have pretty much nine million dollars for four more forward spots, and you're going to spend, what do you think Taylor Hall gets at the AAV? I'd say between eight and nine and a half with the pandemic. Like probably eight and a half would be my like median estimate. But I have a hard time believing he's taking no signing bonuses or anything like that. They also said he wants to go for a winner to a winner or like to have a chance to win, which basically veto Arizona. Yeah. I don't see how that's this team, but, and then, so they, so another report came out that pretty much Arizona's told other teams, anyone over 23 or 23 or 25, I think it was was 25, 25 have Adam, like, let's hear your proposal. And someone, and I think it was Craig Morgan, the Morton or Morgan. I think it was Morgan, the athletic reporter for the coyotes was at reporting that they're actively shopping Oliver Ekman Larson right now as well. Now this is what I do in NHL GM modes is when I don't have a good team is actively sell everyone over 20 or shop everyone over 25. I don't think it's actually the most crazy thing to do for them. I just don't see what teams are going to pick up on any of these guys. No, cuz everybody else is broke too. But again, so like, like I don't know. I don't like I would agree with this move like bottoming out if you had your picks, but you don't have a first round pick for 2 years. Yeah, you don't have a second, you don't have a third. So it's like, yeah, I'm all for recouping assets if you're going to be a bad team anyways. But, like, honestly, at this point, I'd probably rather just be the eighth best team because you have no picks to capitalize from, right? Like, like being the tenth best team yeah. in the West sucks when you're stuck in purgatory and you can't get a high pick. But if your base outcome is you know you're not getting a high pick no matter what, like, don't spend more assets to go for it. But, like, if it's just your own money, I'd like... Just what, go for what it. What would worry me is they don't have a choice because they were already so bad with or so mediocre with top tier goaltending that like if Kemper regresses to like a nine twenty, yeah, all like of a sudden you, they're in like twelfth in the West anyway. If you suck at the start this year and it comes to deadline time, I'm full. Just sell your team for whatever you can. Or if next year we're having the same conversation where it's like, yeah, they actually just came like fifth last in the league, I'd be like, okay, yeah, it's going to suck tanking without a first-round pick. I've done it, but, like... <laughs> True. But you just kind of have to suck it up and do At it, right? At some point, you need to get assets yeah, selling instead of value. the opportunity cost of, like, second-round picks because you suck. But, like, at this point, everything they showed is that they're a team that can be what from the eighth-best team in the West to the... Especially in a wide-open West, where it's, like... It's not like it's super strong or anything at the mid-range tier, um, where you could be the eighth to twelfth-best team... It would probably go for it, unless you get like a, just an offer that like if you if someone's offering you like two first round picks for Oliver Ekman Larson like 
I take that. I do it for one. Yeah, because it's just like his contract's so bad that it's like I'd probably do it for a second given their window. Yeah. Like, like I think you would get more than that. I think that would be probably stupid to do, but like in theory I would accept Oliver Ekman Larson for a second round pick if you got his salary off the books. Cause you're not like I d I don't know what this team plans to do with that during the Oliver Ekman Larson contract. No, I, I don't either. Like um yeah, so it's like if you get like an offer that you just you can't refuse or whatever, and like that's one thing, right? But like if it's just sell the team just to sell the team, I don't really see what that does at this point because you you don't have anything. Yeah, that's fair. Although I I just rather have picks than most of the guys on this roster for the Coyotes. I guess, but it doesn't do anything if you get a couple second round picks and you're going to suck no matter what. Yeah, but because I'd rather where, have the second like, round picks and be bad than have no picks and be bad. True, but the second round picks are not going to do anything for 4 years, so then you're just in purgatory or bad without any like way to get elite talent. But I think they're going to be in purgatory or bad without a way to get elite talent anyways. So you might as well have a few more lottery tickets. I guess, but I'd kind of rather just, like, if you're going to be, if you know you have elite goaltending, which I think it's fair to say at this point, Darcy Kemper is going to, out of baseline, give you, like, the 15th best goaltending in the league. Yeah, again, it's one of those things where, like, the odds of them having elite goaltending go way up because we've seen both Kemper and Ranta do it. So, like, if you know you're going to do that, like, I'd probably almost rather just take my shot for a year. But Yeah. Like, if if you suck halfway through the year, sure, then you can pull the plug on it, but, like... Going into the, like, I, I, if your two options to me are go for it and hope you make the second or first wild card spot, and then you have goaltending where it's like maybe an upset a series or two, I'd much rather take that than just know you're gonna be the twenty eighth best team in the league with no first round pick for no first, second, third round picks this year of your own. Yeah, that's fair. The uh, the third wild cards or not wild card, the third divisional spot in their division is wide open too because there is one very like the Vegas Knights. Golden Knights are distinctly good. The Canucks, given how bad the division is, should probably be either second or third. But like other than that, yeah, like Calgary's talking about trading like Goudreau. Yeah, like so it's like there's a there's a scenario where Calgary gets worse. I think and Brody's up, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. I believe. Yeah, he's up yeah. right now. There's a scenario where, well, I mean, I think there, it's almost a guarantee unless Edmonton makes a big, big splash this year for a goalie and some depth forwards that they take a step back from what they were this year too. Yeah. Whether that they still might be a playoff team, but like, yeah, I don't see the Ducks being good. I don't see the Kings being good. I see the Sharks being better. Better, but not. But good. like, I don't think they're like contending for the division title better from what they've done this year, unless again they make somehow make a huge splash. I just don't see it. But yeah, so it's like you look at the division and. I think you can write Vegas in for first place yep. or, you know, a top three spot, you know. Vegas isn't missing the playoffs in this division. No. You can probably say then a mixture of Calgary, Edmonton, Arizona, Vancouver, and maybe San Jose is in it for the next two spots and possibly a wild card, which is ex- minus San Jose is exactly what it was this year, too. Yep. So it's like, I, like, I don't know. If you want to sell, sell the team and you have a good enough offer to get a couple of the guys, like, sure, like... If someone's offering me a first for Jarlson, I'm probably not saying no to that either because it's just like, where's he fit in with his window, right? Oh, not a chance you're saying no to yeah. that trade. But it's just like, and same with like, if you can get Goligoski's contract, or Goligoski, uh, Ekman Larson's contract off the books, sure. But it's like, if you're just trading Ekman Larson for a, a worse player, or like a player who's equal, not even, or like a worse defenseman in a third round pick, like, I don't think I do that. I think I do just to dump the salary. 
But, like, again, I genuinely don't think this is going to be a salary dump. I think they're actually going to get stuff for Oliver ekman Larson. Yeah, like, if you can get assets for it, I think he's a special case because me and you were both pretty low on that when that contract got signed. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. So. Oh, it's, like, four years from now, it might be, like, the way we look at the Vlasic contract might be the way, like, how yeah. bad that OEL contract is by then. But, like, who's... Like, maybe if you retain on Phil Kessel again, but I don't think they're going to retain on anyone. Like, who's offering any kind of asset for two more years at 6.8 Phil Kessel? No, Phil didn't exactly help your ability to trade him. Like, the only good thing Phil Kessel provides is points. He's clearly a cancer at, like, most other things, and yet he only put up 38 points in 70 games. Yeah. Nobody's taken that on for $6 million during a recession. No. And so, like, I guess then the, the two big ones will probably be Darcy Kemper and Antti Ranta. And I think with the Aiden Hill signing, trading one of, like, it depends what you get. Like, I think you can make enough of an argument for me to trade Ranta because of how often he gets hurt. I would trade Ranta. But again, like, if someone offers me a first-round pick for Darcy Kemper, I'm probably not, I, I have a tough time saying no. Like, I'd say yes to a first-round pick to, like, almost anyone on this roster. Yeah, but, like, if you sell Darcy Kemper and or Antti Ranta... But especially Kemper, you're handicapping to the point where it's like if you sell Kemper, you may as well sell every living thing you can on this team. True. Because there's no chance you are getting anywhere close to the playoffs without Darcy Kemper. With, a, yeah, if Ranta pops off, maybe, but then you're betting on Ranta to stay healthy, which not, has not been a very good bet in the past, and it is, he's getting older. Yeah, I don't know if it's been a good bet ever. Like, I, I'm trying to think of if they're, like, every year he's enlisted at least, like, 10 games that he wasn't supposed to. Most games he's ever played is 47. Yeah, and even that year he got hurt yep. at the end of it. Like, Because he were, was, like, the undisputed starter and still only played yep, 47. And then that's where Darcy Kemper, or sorry, maybe someone stepped up, and then, yeah. In 2018-19, he played 12 games, was hurt the entire year. Um, and then that's where Kemper stood, uh, started up. And then last year, he played 33. Yeah. So, like, I just... I'm, I don't know. This is a team that I don't think has... Uh, you know, they have a horrible future, really. Like, Oh, very much so. Um, yeah, so... Like, if you can get a first-round pick, you say yes to basically everyone on the roster. Hold for Chikrin, for sure. Hayton. Hayton for sure, and, like, maybe Keller. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, that's it. Like, they're in such a bad shape. I think the worst part is, like, even with Clayton Keller, I, you could probably convince me if you gave me a first and some. I would not be sold on Clayton Keller. Like, Oh, I would have a tough time giving up a first for Clayton Keller given his salary and his underlying results, but it's another one of those things where the NHL as a whole... That's what I mean. Like, But if, really if I'm Arizona, right? like, if I get offered a first for Clayton Keller, I might accept it. Yeah. Like, especially if there's anything on top of it. If it's just the first, I think you, you think about it and it's like, okay, we need some talent at some point. Because, like, this past year he was solid defensively. He wasn't good offensively, but his defensive metrics looked good. Which would worry me, though, because, like, defense is generally noisier and he's Clayton Keller. The so past three really years he just hasn't been good. But, like, there's also people, like, I think, uh, oh, Rachel Dory, I believe it was, was someone who was talking about how she really believed that his defensive game, and this was before this year, like, last offseason already, she was talking about how his defensive game could take a huge step forward. Yeah, and, but, like, some act, like, people say eye test or whatever, make fun of people, but some, like, actually intelligent hockey analysts are higher on him than yeah. his statistics. So you yeah, have to hesitate. Well, on the micro sure, stats but. like him, I believe, as well. But, like, still, the fact of the matter is that um, we got three players in before stopping who we would not trade <laughs> on this roster. Yeah. That's not a good sign. That's not a, a good sign. I think no. you can go through almost any other team and there would be at least double that, probably. You would hope. Any other team in the 
cap crunch that they yeah. are, more I, than double it, you would hope. Right? Especially for um, considering our baseline of trade was a singular first-round pick from a team that would probably be in the mid to late rounds. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not good. That That is a, uh, a bad situation. Um, only other news I think there is to talk about is LaViolette. Uh, Peter LaViolette is now the head coach of the Washington Capitals. Which is sad because they didn't make it Babcock. Yeah, um, I'm glad. Like, I mean, I think I talked about this last week with the uh, when the reports were out Babcock. Uh, I'm not going to lose an ounce of sleep if Babcock never coaches in the NHL again. But, you know, the whole uh, um, abuse stuff I thought was a little unnecessary. Or, oh, I just thought it would be funny to yes. see him benching Ovi and stuff like that. Yeah, um, so I don't know. Like, I don't... Uh, from all the reports that came out in the bubble is that Washington absolutely cannot um, have a player's coach because they just treat it like a party and the coach <laughs> can discipline, which um, that says more, like, yes, you can get a guy in there to take advantage or, like, to help your team. That's kind of what Trotz did, obviously. But that says that's more concerning to me about the core you're building than it does the coach, does it not? Very much so. There was also some, like, pushback on that. I don't really, like, I believe it. I could see, I could definitely, if there's one team in the league, I could easily see it being Washington. Like, no, like, I, I mean, for years the trope was Ovechkin didn't care enough or whatever, which I think was way overstated, but he's got a cup. You looked at the partying after the cup. It's like, yeah, if you weren't super motivated to be in a bubble away from your family, I could definitely see just treating it like a bit of a vacation and then not caring if you got put out in round one. You can also imagine how, like, a group of 20 to 30-something millionaires all with nothing else to do would party a lot yes yeah especially one who just is fresh off a cup win and we've seen how hard they know how to party like yeah but uh yeah i don't know i don't have much to say about that i think they'll be a fine team next year just top three they'll be in a contention for top three in the metro again like it'll be them pittsburgh, them, pittsburgh carolina philly probably yep same group yeah like um will be the best four teams in the league the standings might look a little different but they'll Shoot for first, I would think. I don't know if they'll get it, but yeah, I, I say again, the Metro will be super interesting because I, you know, we expect regression probably from the Islanders, but to what point? Because we expected regression last year, and you know, how much do the Rangers step up if Lafreniere comes in and makes an automatic difference for them? Yeah, it could be a really like deep division. There's not like any. The Devils are the worst team. Yeah, there's no say. like real. St- Dud anymore as the Penguins and Capitals begin to get older. Like I don't think they're no like Carolina is the potential to take that leap. I think, but they're a year or two away from it, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Because like the Penguins and Capitals aren't like President's Trophy betting favorites like they no. used to be. So it's kind of and Carolina doesn't have steady goaltending either. Like the thing no. about Pittsburgh and Washington for years is you had Holtby and Flurry and whatever, right? Like where you know playoff time is a bit of a different story. But in the regular season, you knew that those guys would be rock solid for you, right? Yeah. But Carolina's still just relying on Peter Morazic and James Reimer, so which has worked for them so far, but it's like that's kinda of, that's obviously a much more variable outcome from year to year. I would yeah, say. it's not like a miserable duo, but it's also not like let's pencil them in to win their division kind of goaltending goal. Exactly. Unless so. you have like the Vegas Golden Knights roster in front of them or something like that. Or yeah. Tampa maybe, but um Dallas made the cup finals. Uh I, 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 did you see the quote from Anton Hudobin after they won, though? No. We're not going home clip? No. Oh, soundbite of the year. Hold on, let me find that. It's like the, we're not fucking leaving thing from... Kind, uh... kind of, yeah. But it was just like, oh, let me see if I can find it. But, uh, yeah, they beat uh, Vegas in, was it five games, I believe? 
bit of a surprising result. I thought Vegas deserved to push it longer. Yeah, I um, don't think so. People then, are try- kind of hot taking, being like, "Well, Vegas is." underperform their XG all the time. And it's like, yeah, but nobody earns a 4% shooting percentage. Yeah, like Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Carlson, uh, who else went? Marcia So, Smith, they all went cold at the exact same time. Yeah. So it's like, what are the odds that happens if you replay the series again? I don't know, but... And also, when you dominate teams the way Vegas does, you can underperform your shooting percentage by like 2%, which is actually a reasonable number and still be an overwhelming favorite in the series. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see if I can get the audio here. The Kudobin clip? Yeah. Uh, Was it like a post-game interview? Yeah, so he got the player of the game from his teammates or whatever. Oh, okay. oh here it is. I think you're muted, yeah. Yeah, I am. We're not going home! <laughs> <laughs> Absolute soundbite of the year right there. I don't know how that's going to come across on the podcast, but um, yeah, that was hilarious. And he's kind of a guy who it's been hard not to cheer for almost. like He could so voice a Russian character in Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, and he, he just looks like this guy where it's like, man, this is the dude who's like, carrying a team to the Stanley Cup Finals. Like It's yeah. just his body shape. It just doesn't look like the type of elite athlete you would think. But Their he's, coach looks funny too. Yes, and he's a by all accounts an amazing dude as well. Which so, is cool. Yeah, um, so they're a relatively likable team. They have Corey Perry on their team, so there's only so far you can go when you get that. But. They're a likable group of humans minus Corey Perry. They're a very unlikable hockey team. Like, yeah. I hate watching the Dallas Yeah, Stars. I don't usually like it either. They've been more entertaining this year, I will say, or the playoffs this year. Yes. Like, they've been able to score way more, which... Uh, I think it's one of the biggest talking points about them is that, like, where's this goal scoring coming from? And, I don't know, I think some people are going to be like, oh, well, they signed Pavelski, he's clutch and everything. But, I mean, at the opposite of Vegas, where you get unlucky for 14 games, because even Vegas, like, against Vancouver, didn't score. Like, there's no way that game should have gone seven. That series should have gone no. seven. That should have ended in five. They were, inc- like, incredibly unlucky and still won, which speaks to just how freaking good they are. Yeah, exactly. So, But it's, like, the opposite here, where it's, like, Vegas had... Two and a half weeks of unlucky shooting percentage. I mean, these guys have had... They have skill on their team, yes, but they also have two and a half weeks of above-average shooting percentage as well, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I I really need Tampa to um, uh, win because oh, there's please. no way I'm watching a second of a New York Islanders versus uh, Dallas Stars Stanley Cup Final. That would kill hockey. I genuinely might not watch the Cup Final if it's Islanders or Stars. I, I'm telling you right now, the only reason <laughs> I will is because I have to write a report on it for the site after. Or like I'd watch Game 7 or something. Yes, but, but I will not watch a second voluntary, unless there's no other sports. But if there's a good basketball game on or if the Blue Jays are in a meaningful game, yeah. I am not freaking watching the New York Islanders versus Dallas Stars. I might watch the Miami Dolphins play the football team instead of Yes. <laughs> like... like it's like I don't know if you watched the overtime yesterday. That was the worst freaking overtime I've ever seen. It's an elimination double overtime, and the Islanders knew how to make it the most boring thing I've ever watched. <laughs> the only people who can put you to sleep during double overtime. Like it was like even like the Ottawa one from 2017. I don't like I don't I have a huge bias on that, but like I don't even remember one. it being. Yeah, well, like just that whole run where it's like when they went to double overtime and stuff like that. It's like. They still had Carlson and Hoffman and Stone doing stuff. Like I remember a couple big posts in the like the game seven. Yeah, too, at least like Dzingel scored a huge goal late, and was just like, and like obviously there's huge comparisons between the two teams, but like the shots in the first overtime were four <laughs> four. 
I had to be up early for class, so I did not watch the overtime. I had to finish Thank a recap God. for the site, so I had to. I almost turned it off. <laughs> the only reason I didn't finish it was because, like, like I am one of the most diehard hockey fans I know. Like, I will watch just about any hockey game if you throw it on in front of me. To for me to turn off a series clinching overtime, it's pretty tough. Double overtime for it to be that bad, and me to actively want to turn it off and go to bed so I can just check who won in the morning. It has to be bad. The shots were like. 35 to 22 after five full periods of play almost. That's so bad. Like, I'm I mean, sorry. Good for the Islanders, I guess. And but. I get the Islanders haven't been quite that boring all playoff bubble, but like that kind of sums up what everyone thinks of them in a nutshell. And they've won the game. Oh, yeah. Like, they've been better in the bubble or whatever, but you still can't convince me they're anything but a miserable team to watch. No, but like, when you're peak, it's like someone said they score, like, they have the fifth most goals per game or whatever in the bubble, but when you go and look at it, their shot attempts are 17th in the bubble. Of course it is. Yeah, their expected goals are ninth. And, like, even that is, like, they're ninth because they play a counterattack game. They're not ninth because they just take a hold. Like, they're just always buzzing around the offensive game. And the worst part about it is, like, Tampa has to play this way because they can't get lured into the trap. Like, I get Tampa knows that, and that's what they have to play. But, like, it's not even, like, when Tampa played Columbus and there was that five-overtime game and Tampa had, like, 95 shots to Columbus's 40 or whatever. That's still a fun game, even though it was low scoring, because it was a goaltending du- duel and it was one team firing on all cylinders. Yeah. This was literally both teams just chipping the puck in and going for a change. And like, I was talking to someone last night, like, yeah, I love that kind of hockey. It was like, no, you don't. <laughs> well, and like, it's, well, a, yeah, it's an older guy. It's like, I get, like, good for you, but I can guarantee you, most people don't like that kind of hockey. It's like, and I said, it was like, especially like the casual fan. You have, last night you had game seven of an NBA final on. It sounds like something, though, when you say you like those games that, like, my dad would say, where you like it on principle. You don't actually like no, sitting you, down and watching it. You're sitting there on your phone or talking to your friends while that game's going on. You're not watching the game. Like, you love the theory of the scrappy underdog playing the counterattack style, but when it comes to sitting down and watching it for three hours, you don't actually like it. You just like the principle. Yeah, like, and, and, that's why, and so I mentioned, it was like, you should be trying to draw casual fans in during your biggest time of the year. It's like, I don't care about those. It's like, I get you're not supposed to care, but, like, the league should. Yeah. And it's like, if this is, like, what's happening, and, like, it's just like, well, if you can't get up for game five elimination game of a conference final, then you shouldn't be a fan. It's like, well, no, that's not true, because if it's boring as hell hockey and it's not my team involved, I don't care. Yeah, it's not like a job. Like, you watch sports for fun. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, if it's way more fun to watch the Clippers, a team that everyone thought was going to be in the final or conference finals for sure, but a lot of people picked to win, get upset in game seven of the second round. Yeah. I'm te- like, I don't even love, like, I like basketball, but I watched all of that game before I watched a hockey game. Yeah, I don't care at all about basketball, but it is at least more interesting than... <laughs> A 4-4 shot overtime. So, yeah. I mean, good for the Islanders. Play how you're going to win. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, It's another thing with Tampa, too, where, like, if they kind of want to play like that, you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. You can just be like, yeah, I'm sure we'll get some goals on 25 shots. Well, that's the and thing, too, right? To like, like yeah. Too. Like, there's no real style where you can be like, yes, we have the Tampa Bay Lightning where we want them. No, especially not now. Like, And that's why it's like the Coleman stuff. And, like, you know, we talk about adding skilled grit where it's like, they can play a game where it's like, if you're just going to dump and check the entire time, they have plenty of guys on the roster who are willing to do that back and forth. Yep. Like, And then when they do get their shots, it's Nikita freaking Kucherov and Braden Point taking them, so they're... Yeah, or like to... even on the bottom of the lineup, it's like, I'd rather Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau taking my shot than Tom, Tom Kunakl and exactly. Leo Komarov, right? And even when you keep them to the outside, like a Nikita Kucherov one-timer from the uh, top of the circle... 
It's probably like a 0.3 XG shot, but it's actually a reasonably high percentage shot when Nikita Kucherov is the one taking them. Yeah, so I I don't know. I, I think Tampa Rounds is out in Game 6. Point didn't even play in Game 5, and they still probably should have won it. Uh, yeah. But and Stamkos isn't playing at all. No, yeah. So um, I think they rounded out in Game 6, if you ask me. Uh, but you never know. That's hockey, right? So that's why I don't want to do much of a cup preview, because... Next thing you know, the Islanders could get outshot fifty to ten and win a three nothing game or something, and then force Game Seven. But you know that's going to happen too. Yeah, because this year is the worst. I think Tampa Dallas would be a fun enough final. Like I, I would have much rather Tampa Vegas or Tampa Colorado. Yeah, I could get. It's one thing where like so the Islanders kind of suck Tampa into that style, but it's still Tampa at least. When if if it's the Islanders playing that against the Stars, that's when it gets really boring. Oh, it's it'll be like like the Islanders Philly series was unwatchable, yeah. and that'll be like that, but even maybe worse. Probably worse. As good as like Guryanov has been. Like, yeah, and like I, I like the only reason I'd watch it more than the Flyers one is just because I'd much rather watch Heiskanen and Klingberg versus just about anyone the Flyers have. Like I like Couturier, but defensive specialty isn't something that. Uh, yeah, I necessarily stare or watch for, right? Couturier and Koivu aren't the funnest to watch, even though they're, like, very, very effective. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, I'm sure we'll record while the cup playoffs are going, or the finals are going on next week, so we'll talk more about that. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I don't think I have anything else either. Who's your cup pick, depending on who wins? Since Tampa. I, I, think, I think Tampa. Like, Tampa and what over Dallas? Six. And then I think, what about the Islanders? If the I Islanders win? don't care. Burn <laughs> on. Oh, just quit the league, I think, of them. I think Dallas probably win in seven. Yeah, those were going to be my exact choices. And I think the total goals for the series would be 23. <laughs> Two nothing is like a really exciting game. Literally. Like, I, I cannot, and like, I get, like, and again, if there's Islanders fan listening to this, I'm sorry. Like, I, I was, again, I was a 2017 Sens fan. I lived through that. It's fun when it's your team. It sucks so much ass to watch if you're not. Yeah. Especially, like, because, again, like, if it was the Islanders playing it, but they were getting outshot 40 to 20 every game, at least it would be exciting enough to, like, okay, when's the dam going to burst here, you know? Like, last year in the playoffs, they played the Penguins, and the Penguins didn't run all over them, but, like, they were in the zone enough, and it was just counterattack after counterattack. That was fun. Yeah. Watching Dallas and the Islanders go at it, where neither team is going to do anything until the other one makes a rare mistake, that was just not going to be fun. Oh, 100%. So. And, yeah, to the Islanders fans, like... You were a 2017 Sens fan, and I thoroughly enjoyed watching the Patriots last year. You get it when it's your team, but yes. like for everybody else, God, does it blow. Yeah, and that's it. And like, even like when it's your like I'm sure, like I don't know, I think if you're an outsider watching Ottawa play Boston or Ottawa play the Rangers, that would have been pretty fun. Like, not pretty fun, but like fun enough to the point where there's so many talking points in that series, right? Like, you yeah. got to see the Carlson goal. You got to see the Carlson around the Rangers goal. Like, there's so many... Clark MacArthur came back and scored, and then he scored the the, uh, the series winner, too, against Boston, right? Carlson just kind of had, like, the Midas touch throw that night. Yeah, exa- exactly. And, like, Mike Hoffman had a couple beautiful goals. Like, it was just, like, there was at least stuff where you could watch, and there was narratives to watch for, but it was, like... Like, I don't know. Here, it's just, like, when I'm watching an Islanders game, it's like, what the... On earth am I invested in. Like, I like Peugeot. I like watching Peugeot as a Sens fan, but other than that, like, Barzell when he does something cool, and that's literally about it. Barzell is fun to watch pretty much whenever he's on the ice. I will give the Islanders that. But even that's because he's Barzell, not because he's playing for the Islanders. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, Barzell, like, they're, they clearly play differently with Barzell than without Barzell on the ice. 
Yeah, a little bit, I, I would definitely say. Like, I think their pace goes up by, like, 25% or something ridiculous like that with him on the ice. Like, it's clearly not the same. Yeah. Which um, makes sense, because Barzell's actually good. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's all I have to say. Do you have a cup pick? Tampa still, I guess. They look so determined all bubble. Like, I, I, I hope. I get that it's not always a thing, but they look so determined all year. They've just steamrolled everyone they've played. I tweeted that they were going to win the cup when the Leafs lost, and I really need that to come yeah. true, so I can be like, look at me. Like, they were an over, like a, a shot away in overtime from going to the cup finals, winning their series 4-1, 4-1, and 4-1. Oh, yeah. They're the best team left. And even though they're not even advanced yet, they still might be the odds-on favorite to win the cup. Almost can guarantee you they are. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Money Puck and see. Um, but yeah, like they just—they've looked so good too. Okay, they're—they're they're the best team in the league. They've done this without Steven Stamkos. Like they're just so good. Uh, yep. No, they're not. Dallas is. Dallas is. Yeah, they're they're thirty-nine point eight to win the cup. Uh, Islanders twelve point nine. Dallas is forty-seven. Uh-huh. But um, so that pro- that what that says to me is pretty much if Tampa makes it, it'll probably be like a fifty-six percent. Tampa favorite on the series, like 56 yeah. to 44 ish for the series. But um, yeah, I don't have much more to say on that uh, or well, at all. Pinnacle has uh, Tampa's favorites to win the cup. See, so it just depends where you go, I guess, right? Yeah. Like, I was, I was just on Money Puck. But um, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Chase, you got anything going for the site this week? Yeah, I'm midway through writing something right now. I am writing about. I've said this like more than once on the podcast but teams run by former NHL players and I'll actually ask for some help for this do you remember the graphic going around about like it was like broken out by sport and it showed which sport had the most former players as GMs yeah I looked for it I don't know I don't know where to find it I don't know where to find it either I tried googling around for it if anybody happens to know the article or have the image I'm talking about I would love for you to send that to me well, there you go. Um, yeah, so you can find Chase's stuff at lastwordonhockey.com. Also, it is now abroad, lastwordonsports.com slash hockey. But if you type in lastwordonhockey.com, it just takes you right to the hockey page anyways. Um, I have a P- I had a piece out this past week. I had a couple rumors pieces out. I'll have rumors coming out every Friday now as well that I've written. Uh, and then I also did a piece on Tyler Ennis for the Edmonton Oilers and why he is the perfect fit and why they should re-sign him. Um, that was out... Oh, geez. I don't know. Probably a week ago now. It was about a day or two after we released the last podcast, I think. Um, and then at milehighhockey.com, I have uh, report cards coming out for the Avalanche. I'll probably be doing forwards, defensemen, and goalie for the year. So uh, stay tuned for those over the next week or two. Um, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. Find Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Find this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you all next week.